Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze, where we take a nostalgic look at a random football magazine from the past. I'm Andy Smith, aka Scotch Footy Cards on Twitter, and with me is Tom Brogan. Hello. Each episode will invite a special guest to join us in trawling through the magazine and discuss anything contained within it. This could be anything from an article, to a photograph, to a competition, to an advert. Basically, if it's in it, then we'll talk about it. So sit back and let's shoot the breeze. Wriggles clear, might just get the chip and he does, he's scored! Oh, what a great backlash! And this week's guest is from the football pink, Kirsty McLeod. Thanks for coming on, Kirsty. Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks for having me both. Good to be here. Brilliant. Th- thanks. Thanks very much for, for coming on, Kirsty. So we, we've we've picked out a match magazine for you this week, and it's from the 22nd of October, 1988. So we'll do as we normally. We'll start from the front, front cover just and work our way in. So the front cover is a photo of Mark Walters of Rangers, and he's in full flight. And he's leaving a defender on the ground in his wake. Mark is wearing the light blue check McEwen's lager top with white shorts and blue socks. Uh, so other things on the page, we have is a Skull Cup final preview. So it's Walters on the warpath. Mark's Hamden hunting ground. And Mark Walters is expecting the huge Hamden crowd to bring the best out of him in Sunday's Skull Cup final. And it also says, first on sale every week. And it's a 45 pence price tag for this this week. The, the other articles or items on the page is Robson's World Cup warning. So pages two and three of the magazine is where Bobby Robson warns that England's World Cup chances are being hampered by the European ban. There's also a free eight-page A to Z club directory inside. So this is a pullout that will be added to over the, the weeks to give a comprehensive guide to all the clubs in Britain. And lastly, but most importantly, there is an Aberdeen team photo in colour inside. So we'll we'll probably spend a wee bit of time on that when we're in there. Does anybody want to pick anything out from the the front page there, Tom? Yeah, I don't I don't think so. Not specifically from the front page. So I I, I think we've mentioned it. So I think that is the Rangers kit that certainly goes, the socks that would go purple. Wash. Yeah, we go purple. Famously purple after a couple of washes. Um, <laughs> But I, I, th- I think it's quite it's quite a nice kit. It's got the, those pop buttons at the top, which I think there's a couple yeah. of bits inside as well that maybe has those as well. But yeah, mm-hmm. the, the pop buttons at the top, it's, it's a, I don't know, it's just a flat collar as well, isn't it? Two-tone checks as well. Short shorts, um, relatively short shorts there. I, I don't know who that's on the... No. on the ground in the background. No, I was just wondering that. They've, they've certainly been left in, in the wake of, yeah. of Mark charging on, haven't they? So it's a, yeah, it's a white top, black shorts, Air United maybe? I don't know. Perhaps, yeah. Or maybe maybe um, a waist up though. Just on, just on that sponsor, McEwen's, McEwen's Lager. Yeah. That, um, I think that was one of the first times that, well, I suppose sponsorship was still sort of fairly new by, by that point, wasn't there? But mm-hmm. I don't think Celtic had McEwen's, did they? This must, no. was, must must be one of those times where the I think that the was old the first, firm had separate. Yeah, sponsors. I think that was the first one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, would would Celtic have had a sponsor on their kit this season, or or would they have? Well, at least well, Celtic stuck with CR Smith, I think, for for right. longer than the Rangers did. Right. Because mm-hmm. the first sponsor was Celtic and Rangers, or CR Smith, and then Rangers broke away with McEwen's Lager. 
and I think mm. Celtic mm. stuck with C.R. Smith. Or... C.R. Smith, yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll, take, we'll take a wee look inside here. So this is page two, page two and three, but we'll look at page two, and it's Woodsy's Scottish move pays off. So Scottish Premier Division football has done nothing but enhance the international futures of former Football League stars such as Terry Butcher, Gary Stevens, and Chris Woods. And now their new Rangers teammate Mark Walters is getting the rave reviews that could lead him to being called up by England boss Bobby Robson before the next World Cup finals. Now in this article Woods says, When I joined Rangers they were having a lean time in the Premier Division, but I was impressed with what manager Graham Souness had to say. It wasn't exactly a hard choice to make because no other club made a firm offer for me at the time. I have absolutely no regrets about my move. The games I have played in Europe have definitely helped my game, but there's nothing second class about the Scottish Premier either. Just like when you're playing for a top English club, you're expected to win every week. Now in the main article, Bobby Robson is actively encouraging English players to look to Scotland to gain vital experience of playing against foreign teams. Change days, indeed. That isn't it. The... <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Obviously, this was the English ban in Europe was in place at this point, and so players were coming up to Scotland. It's a bit strange. I mean, there was there was a few that were coming up to. Uh, Ab- I think Aberdeen had a few. Um, Peter Nicholas was one of them, but I don't know if that mm. was a result of that. I think most of them came up to Rangers, didn't they? I think Rangers were certainly the main beneficiaries of this, weren't they? Yeah. Mm. Um, Soonest sort of seemed to notice uh, a gap in the market, if you like, to to take advantage of of the situation. But I didn't didn't even know about this until fairly recently that English clubs have been banned from Europe for, I think, what was it, about five five years or so um, following. Now, you'll have to help me out with the pronunciation of the stadium. Heysel Stadium, yeah. Yeah. Stadium disaster, yeah. Fascinating, Uh uh-huh. Well, yeah, tragic, but yeah, really interesting sort of impact on both Scottish and English football at the time. Yeah, um, just a wee comment there from from Bobby Robson, sort of massively missing the point. Uh, it's a disgrace we're not in Europe. Even countries like Malta and Luxembourg are there. Yeah. Where are we? It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Nobody's as if it wasn't them. a punishment for a for an awful event. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I was watching the England Holland game from nineteen eighty eight Euros uh, the other day there, and um, John Mottison and Jimmy Hill are commentating and just after um, Holland's first goal when Van Basten turns Tony Adams inside out, both Mottison and Jimmy Hill put it down to Adams doesn't have any European club experience. <laughs> oh, brilliant, yeah. <laughs> it do, it does was... feel like a very uh, convenient reason, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, and I think that's what Bobby Robson goes on to say in this article, that this is going to be to the detriment of England's 1990 World Cup chances, the fact that his players aren't having a continental experience but um i suppose yeah. time would time would tell that that's not been the only thing that's prevented uh prevented yeah, our neighbors from, from getting world cup glory but there you go of course 1990 was england's best performance in a in a world cup abroad getting mm. to the semi-final at that time and obviously that mm. was that was just at the end of the of the ban so um i so yes come back after english clubs apart from liverpool came back after that but yeah, yeah. All, all the all the English based players then didn't have European club experience either. I mean, the, the English ban was pivotal in the future. For I, I saw a tweet pretty recently, and it was a fairly good point. They said that the 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 high ban, the the European ban, basically 
stopped Everton from being one of the, the great forces? Because Everton were on the up at that point and winning the league. I think they won it two seasons in a row. Did they win it two seasons in a row? No. I think two seasons in a row, but uh, they won it 87 and 89. And they just won the Cup Winners' Cup in 85 as well. And they were, so they were going into the European Cup yeah. as European Cup Winners' Cup champions. Yeah. Um, I, there's no reason to think that they when they went on to do well in the European Cup. Yeah, and there, there was they, they obviously lost players, you know, to other teams and things like that as well during that period. So yeah, it was it was as I say, it was it was a watershed moment for England. They, yeah, they were yeah. losing some of the, their best talent to to other countries. It really was, and and, and the, the Liverpool team in the late eighties, like, you could argue, was as good as the, the team that won the three European Cups as well. You know, with Barnes and and Beardsley. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that team, that team never got to play in Europe either. Yeah. Okay. Listen, I'm going to jump a couple of pages, more than a couple of pages here. So if anybody wants to stop me, then by all means. But I'm going to go to page eight and look at the adverts. There's a couple of adverts on this, and they're both for Match Magazine. So Match are starting to sort of push their own merchandise at this point. The first one is Have a Drink with Us, and it's a super smart, unbreakable mugs in red, black, yellow, and white trim. The mug has the match logo on it, and it says unbeatable value at £1.75, including postage and packing. And the one that I always love is allow 28 days for delivery. I mean, <laughs> you, you would only allow that if you were getting something from China these days. That's Absolutely, the yeah. It's no Amazon, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's just the, they're talking about the colours, red, black, yellow and white. And you think, well, you could have at least done it in, in colour. It is in black and white. <laughs> And, um, so and it's absolutely. I mean, looking yeah. looking at look the guy who's holding it, it's it. For me, probably when I was younger, that would have been a big mug, but I'd say nowadays that's probably like a normal size. You know, you can get the really big ones. That's the sort of thing that I use these days. Ah, uh-huh. it was reminding me of. I don't know if either of you have come across uh, the Sports Direct mugs that you sometimes yeah. get with with orders and stuff online. I mean, that is that is the mug to sort of cap all mugs, isn't it? I don't think I've ever had any drink of any volume that's been able to, <laughs> to, yeah. fill, to fill that. Mm. But it's interesting the way they've marketed it, isn't it? Unbreakable. I don't know if, if match readers were sort of in the way of being a bit clumsy with their uh, with their crockery, but um, it's certainly been <laughs> certainly been highlighted as its yeah. USP there. I'd like to see how that would stand up in a court of law or something like that, because I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's probably breakable. Uh, it's like the unsinkable Titanic. Yeah, it? yeah. Yeah. So, so underneath that is a it's an advert and it says bind it. And this is keep your copies of Match safe inside an index binder. And it's bonded in red paper coat. They hold up to 26 copies each. And it's £4.95 including postage and packing. So a cu- couple of things I love about that. Just the bonded in red paper coat. You know, as a wee boy or a wee girl, you wouldn't have a clue what that meant. <laughs> I would imagine it's like, what's... what's red paper coat it's obviously it's just covered in red paper i've actually got some of those upstairs um in in my collection just just as a wee bit of background kirsty i'm saying i've 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 got a big collection of magazines football cards stickers and things like that and but the majority of it has been collected again over the over the years rather than you know passing them up through my childhood so mm. I've i've got a lot of stuff off ebay and part of that includes these red binders as well and they're quite i say generic because shoot have them shoot magazine had them as well and they're pretty much the same sort of style and design except they're just it says shoot in one and match in the other mm. um but 495 i think i've i think i've worked at this before that so obviously 26 copies you need two for a year's collection so it's just roughly 
a tenner, which I think sort of equates to what you would pay for the magazines over a over a year anyway, or maybe even more yeah. than that. So you're you're doubling your your outlay for those. You know, let's face it. If you're a wee boy or a wee girl, and you're going to, did you get any magazines when when you were younger? Did you? I I did. I I'm. I think Match was was one of them. Um, but it, it's it's sort of difficult to recognise it now because it's obviously went over you know so much rebranding. Yeah. Um, since it since it first started, but I I think it. I just remember Match always had an exclamation mark next to it. So this would have been early noughties that my brother and I would have would have bought it. And it always had a wee sort of cartoon figure on the front of it as well. Uh, it wasn't quite as serious looking as as the ones from from the eighties here, but yeah, match was the match was the one. So, but, but, you know, my question to that then is, would it have stayed intact in your household, or would it have been <laughs> cutting things out and taking pages out, sticking them up in the wall? Would it have? Yeah. Definitely the latter. Yeah, I was, I was, yeah, plenty posters around mm. the <laughs> around the wall in, in our bedrooms for sure. Yeah, um, and I think we bought it at one point because we were we collected cards of some sort. I couldn't tell you the the make or the brand of them, but I'm sure Match would would give you sort of a yeah. pack of these cards at any one time as well. So um, that was often the the appeal to to buying them. But I remember before the cards were a thing, used to go into the the co-op, I think, down the road was where we got our match. We'd sort of like rife through it, and there would sometimes be sort of like we uh, like codes or passwords in it. I think right. for getting on uh, online to access more features, and we just go down, rife through the pages, find the code, <laughs> and then leave it, and then <laughs> and then go back up the road again. But when when the cards came about, I think we started uh, putting our money where our mouth was and, and actually buying the thing. So mm, brilliant. Yeah. Great stuff. So across the page, we're on to page nine now, and this is the Andy Walker column. Well, you can see there the Celtic sponsor at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, yes, good of course. And actually, it's a di- the different. That would have been the centenary badge as well, was it? Is that yeah. right? With the the Celtic cross on it. Okay. Yes, of course. Eighty-eight. Yeah. Uh huh. So the Andy Walker column, and there's a couple of sections in this. The first one is Charlie can nick it. So that's about Charlie Nicholas, but obviously that's, you know, the, the headline writing in full force there. And it says, Andy Walker says, I just hope Rangers in Aberdeen forget all about their bad-tempered affair at Pataudry a couple of weeks ago and produce the sort of football they're capable of in Sunday's Skull Cup final. Last year's final with the same two teams was one of the best seen in Scotland for years and finished 3-3 before Rangers edged it in penalties. Andy hopes... That's the sort of game that we will witness rather than carrying on vendettas from the Premier Division clash, which Aberdeen won 2-1. Now, Andy fancies the Dons to sneak it on Sunday. The main part of the, the page as well, it says Avalanche, and it's Celtic back with a goal blitz. So once again, Andy says, At long last, we have got our act together at Parkhead. Two wins and 11 goals in just four days have hopefully seen off, off our awful start. A 4-0 win over Honved in the European Cup first round, second leg, was a crucial morale booster after a 3-1 mauling at the hands of Hibs. I think that's quite an interesting way to say a 3-1 defeat, isn't it? I mean, unless the, <laughs> the, the performance itself merited that, you don't normally have a 3-1 mauling. So he continues, he says, Billy McNeil took the team down to Seamill and showed them videos from this season and last so that they could see just where they were going wrong. This seemed to do the trick as they beat Honved 4-0 and thrashed St Mirren 7-1 within a few days. So the the photograph is, as we've sort of touched on here, it shows Mark McGee of Celtic and he came on as a sub against Honved to score and then he got a hat-trick in the St Mirren game. 
and there's a little item at the bottom that says next week's match will be a day later, which would be on the Thursday, a day later than normal in order to include colour action from the Skull Cup final. So again, I mean that's that's just changed days again in terms of how media and and match reports are delivered that they have to spend an extra day to to give you colour photographs and of the action. That's just incredible. Sure. Uh, but do you have any? I mean, obviously there's there's lots of games from the past that maybe we never saw that. But do you have any memories of that? The watching the three three game or the the the, the cup final the year before. Have you seen it? Have you seen it since then? That that cup final? Not not the cup final. No, um, I've I've certainly gone back and, and seen um, clips from the bad tempered affair yeah. at Pataudry that they're uh, that they're referring to. I think that's a reference to Neil Simpson and poor uh, Ian Durant. Yeah, um, it's, it's not one for anyone that's squeamish. Um, yeah. For sure, you can find about half an hour of highlights of that on YouTube that's been put up by one of our previous guests, uh, Stephen of the Rangers Archive. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's one five minutes in, Neil Simpson's put in that horrific tackle on Ian Durant. And the interesting mm-hmm. thing is, a couple of Rangers players shove him, and that's kind of the end of the the, the kind of melee. You, you can't quite see on the video just how bad a challenge it is. Uh, and it's also, if you watch the, the highlights, there's several other uh, nasty tackles, a few head knocks, and nobody gets sent off. There's a few boons, nobody gets yeah. sent off. And at the end of it, the, Doogie, the end of the coverage, Doogie Donnelly said, not one to take your old granny to. <laughs> Brilliant! Yeah. Yeah. It's like characteristic Dougie Donnelly, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah. I that, think, that was, um, sorry, on you go. No, I was just going to say that it was a game that kind of, I guess, cemented the kind of bad blood between the Aberdeen. And Absolutely, Rangers. yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm right in saying this, but I, I feel was that perhaps Neil Cooper's first game was, for yeah. Rangers. It so was. I think there was all that sort of context to it as well, wasn't there? And I've seen a brilliant picture from the time of. Uh, McLeish and Simpson obviously in red for Aberdeen chasing down Neil Cooper and you know as an Aberdeen fan sort of like tugs at your heartstrings a wee bit to see this blonde hero from uh, from 83 sort of yeah. dawn in the blue of Rangers but yeah the, and, and, and there's, ah. there's none of that kind of uh, sort of uh, driving wave celebration scoring <laughs> against your old club yeah. it, he, he goes full on berserk he does, after, yeah. After school. Absolutely milks it, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny about Neil Simpson as well because he's obviously never quite been forgiven by uh, by Rangers fans for, yeah. for that tackle. And I again, I didn't know about this this incident until kind of a few years ago because um, so I'm an Aberdeen fan. Grew up and grew up in Aberdeen. I used to go to these. Um, I think they called them like summer schools. These football camps that Aberdeen would run. And Neil Simpson, I think maybe two or three times he was the coach of my team. And I didn't really know who he was, but he was an incredibly mild-mannered, sort of relaxed, <laughs> like really sort of kooky guy from the countryside up in Aberdeen. I remember the first time I saw that tackle, I just couldn't believe it. It could be quite square, the this sort of ageing, uh, kooky man with, with that horrific tackle. But yeah, there you go. I think, as you say, if you see it in the context of... Uh, I don't think rivalry. I don't think he was noted as a dirty player. I mean, if you watch Graham Souness put in a few nasty challenges around at that time, sort of knee high stuff, uh, routinely. But I couldn't, Mm. I couldn't say Simpson was known for that kind of that kind of tackling. No, and, and like you say, before that tackle itself, there have been plenty of sort of meaty challenges from from both sides. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in the in the context of it. it I mean, he probably certainly didn't mean to inflict the damage he does, but I suppose oh, yeah, we're, yeah. we're not quite getting the, uh, you know, you can imagine today the slow-mo camera would sort of pinpoint exactly the the sort of damage that he was able to cause. But yeah, 
not a popular man in a, the blue corner of Glasgow for sure. I mean, I think I, I don't know if if you think the same, but reading this, okay, it's obvious there is a hangover from that game, but it doesn't feel as if it was really. I think it's what I'm trying to say is that over time it's simmered and it's got worse, and you know, and it's sort of developed a lot more. And at the time, it, it didn't. It, you know, just reading this, it just doesn't feel as if it was. You know, you think things generally happen, people react to it, there's, there's a lot of emotion and stuff involved, and then over time it, it gets easier and goes away, but it's done the opposite here. Maybe, mm. maybe, maybe not just, it was except, maybe it was like straight away there was all this anger and stuff, but just at this, you know, just talking about, it just seems like a sort of, listen, just get on with the, the you know, the next game and let's, let's just calm it down. And I just I just don't feel from, from this article here that it comes across as if it was maybe expected that it was going to be as, as bad a, r- a relationship now between Aberdeen and, and Rangers as, as there is. Well, I mean, nothing gets passed on down through the ages like hatred. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's the thing that just gets, gets handed down from one generation hmm. to another, you know, uh, and, and, and maybe it's guys that 20 years later are angrier about an incident than people who were actually at the game, you know, because hmm. hmm. that's the wee hook to hang their, their, their sort of rage on or their dislike for a club on or a, a guy on. Yeah. yeah. So just um, I've noticed there, and, and you some, quite often point this out, Tom, uh, shin guards. You think Mark McGee's wearing any shin guards? There? I think so. I don't. I don't. Doesn't look like it. Yeah, I don't think he's wearing shin guards. But again, once again, the the, the strip has got the the pop buttons at the top as well. So it's it's probably quite a similar style. You know, the the Rangers one, just obviously the hoops and the colours are different. Well, and the badge and the sponsor. So yeah, pretty much everything else is different apart from that. Were they both? Were they both Umbro? I'm just going back to see the. Well, Mark Walters' arms in front of the badge. I can't quite see. Has uh, was that Admiral? Was it? Possibly. I think that one was Umbro. Was I it Umbro? Still an Umbro kit. Yeah, I just wonder if that was a standard design that that Umbro were doing at the time with Rangers and Celtic. Well, I'm I'm just wondering if that was the one that went purple then, Tom, because I think that was an Admiral one. No, I, I, I think you're right. I think that was the one that went purple. That <laughs> that um, we square. It's the wee sort of square shadow. Right. Okay. Well, we'll, 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 check, we'll check up on that because. We don't want to be wrong, do we? We don't want to be wrong. <laughs> right, okay, so we're going to move on to pages 10 and 11 here. So this is Glittering Gunners. This is a two-page spread. And it says, Arsenal have just beaten Man United 2-1 to win the Mercantile Credit Centenary Trophy final at Villa Park. I'll just say that again, just so you know that this is a thing. The Mercantile Credit Centenary Trophy final at Villa Park. Now, Arsenal's Paul Davis gave his fans something to remember as he bid farewell to first-team action for nine matches. He scored the opener and produced a great performance. Now, Davis will be ruining the moment he broke the jaw of Southampton's Glenn Cockrell to earn his long ban. So, just uh, on this tournament, this was a tournament that was held during the 88-89 season to celebrate the 100th birthday of the Football League. It was played on a knockout basis between the top eight sides, from the first division from the previous season. Now the photograph shows Davis's goal, as well as the Arsenal team photo at the end with the trophy. Uh, also shown as Alan Smith together with Lee Dixon holding the trophy. So obviously we're wondering what did Paul Davis get get sent off for about that punch? And I don't know if you've ever watched it. It's available online, but it was an absolute power. I, I take it you've watched it, Tom. I I, I recall the incident. But I can't really tell you what the punch yeah, was like. It was it was um I think. Basically, Cockrell just went past him and he just 
right hand bang he was fined £3,000 on top of the ban uh, which came about after the, F- the FA actually requested to see the video evidence. That's unprecedented back then that they actually requested mm. it, and then three thousand pound banning um, fine on top of that. It was. I mean, that that was the sort of start of it because I, I wrote an article for the Football Pink about the Arsenal Norwich game of I think the following year that turned into a brawl, which mm. again sort of they, they looked at video evidence for and uh, fined both clubs. But they'd start, they, the FA had kind of said, we don't want to start uh, looking at video evidence and, and um, fining players like, retrospectively for things. Well, it's a slippery slope to, <laughs> to go down. And then, of course, very soon that just became just became the norm. And then now, obviously, we stop games to look at yeah. video evidence, you know. But yeah, and I think that was I think that was the first pop with Paul Davis. Mm. I, quite, I quite like the, the, the badge on the, the Arsenal kit there. With the the cannon, it's a it's a little cannon itself. Mm. Obviously, kits again. That's a Adidas one, isn't it? With the three stripes. Yeah, it's a classic Arsenal kit with classic sponsor as well, the JVC. Yep, absolutely. It's sponsored Aberdeen, of course, as well. Yes, mm-hmm. uh huh. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then thought, sorry. I was going to say, just reading this article really um, reminded me of. Uh, in fact, I think it was maybe like fourteen years ago this week. I've seen it a lot, sort of online and stuff. The Zidane incident at the. 2006 uh, World Cup, obvious parallels with um, TV kind of intervening, if you like, and to, um, to sort of reprimand Zidane for what he'd done. Because I think I'm right in saying the referee hadn't seen it, had he, um, in, in, in live action. And it was sort of, I don't know if it was the uh, linesman or whatever had sort of directed him to go back and, and have a look at what had happened. But um, yeah. That must be one of the, actually thinking about it, it must be one of the, the, the strangest and surreal things I think I've seen on a football field. Zidane doing that, I was like, "What are you doing? It's a World Cup final!" And absolutely, it's just yeah. absolutely incredible. And I think it was the last match of his, his career was, yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, it was quite quite a way to go. And there's that sort of very like haunting image. I'm sure you've seen it of when he's sent off. He walks, walks past back, yeah. the World Cup. And he sort of like takes his armband off, and you kind of quite look at the the cup itself. It's yeah, pretty arresting image. So page 12 we're going to jump onto here and this is, we're looking again like at another advert, so it's got to take into consideration, it's getting towards the end of the year so it's maybe not quite saturated but it's getting towards Christmas so there are a few adverts in here. So this one is Gremlins Great Soccer Lineup. So this is computer games available for the Commodore 64 and 128, the Spectrum, Amstrad, Atari ST, there's also some available on the Amiga and the IBM PC, as they called it. Well, it's still called that, but we just call it a PC nowadays. Gary Lineker's Hot Shot is in there. So this is playing a full-scale 11-a-side football team, complete with sliding tackles, throw-ins, corners, goal kicks, fouls, and even the dreaded referee with his red card. Sounds as if it's like the real game of football you're going to be playing there, but I'm imagining it's not going to be quite like that. Roy the Rovers. So... You'll be aware of the Roy the Rovers ma- uh, magazine, Christy? I'm not, no. no. I, I need to be educated. <laughs> All right, so so Roy, Roy the Rovers was a comic, and it was Roy Race who was uh, the main man here. So he played for a team called Melchester Rovers. So that that was the main strip within the magazine, and some of the stories you, you just could not even begin to imagine. And it, we're talking about terrorist incidents, we're talking about plane crash, air crashes, things like that. Um, in fact, at one point they had Bob Wilson playing for them. They had the Kemp twins from Spandau Ballet. 
Um, <laughs> seriously, Jeff Boycott became the was he the director? Was it Tom? Uh, he became the director. So th there was all sorts of stuff going on. Um, but so this is the, this is the premise of the game. It says four of Melchester Rovers' five aside team have been kidnapped hours before a crucial fundraising game to save their ground. Player manager Roy Race must rescue his teammates, dodging danger in order to play the most important game in his career. How exciting does that sound? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, football obviously didn't quite cut it uh, for this <laughs> lot, did it? Had to add a bit more, a bit more drama. Mm. Tom, you've you found that you found a little sort of review of this game. Yeah, there's, there's a wee review of it uh, online, and uh, it looks terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be a lot of what wonder about the street. Well, it's splinty two sort of two sort of games, yeah. isn't it? The first game is like a sort of platform walking game where you walk about and solve find out where your players are. And then the second bit is actually playing a game of five-a-side football, which, as the guy pointed on the, the, the video, they don't even have goals. They just have two marks. <laughs> so there's no goalposts in a bar. And it's like, how how more difficult would it have been to put those in the graphics? I just It's incredible. But just the premise again, the, I've, I've seen this to Tom earlier, it's a crucial fundraising game to save their ground. A, how bad is their ground? Or how luc lucrative is this five-a-side fundraising game that that's going to save your <laughs> yeah. ground? <laughs> yeah, they've been kidnapped from it as well. There was obviously yeah. someone, uh, someone after them, wasn't there? There must be a, a like a far east uh, betting syndicate or something that's involved in this. But yeah, so I, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm hoping after just this little thing here that you'll be looking after, you know, finding out more about Roy the Rovers after this. Um, but. Absolutely, yeah, my appetite's been working for sure. <laughs> so uh, other games that are in the advert here, so we've got Gary Lineker's Superstar Soccer and Gary Lineker's Super Skills are also available, so three of the four there are Gary Lineker's one. Prices from seven ninety nine on the Spectrum to £19.99 on the Mega. That's not cheap at all, is it? I mean, £20 for a, for a computer game back then. I mean, yeah. but how much are they now? I, I have no idea because I don't play games or that. Does anybody have a clue? The last I remember, they were about £39 or something. £20. I'm not paying that. Should we mix in? We can maybe mix in and we can share it. <laughs> so, so Gremlin, who the adverts were, they, they were well known for computer games, and including Footballer of the Year and Premier Manager. They also did, if you're aware of it, the Monty series. And th listen, now, I haven't really thought about this but now we're on the same page there are just right beside it so there are it says look right night and or day and night and it's 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 pajamas it's gowns it's polo shirts t-shirts and they're all drawn they're all they're all painted and, and which teams have we got we've got england we've got everton we've got liverpool man united west ham the west ham one looks yeah, West Ham one looks good. Yeah, it looks, looks all right. Ever, I mean, the Man U, that Liverpool PJ's replica down near the, the bottom looks pretty good as well. The one with the, the yeah, white, got white, white band. Yeah. It's funny, they've um, they've just offered Everton and West Ham fans pyjamas, isn't it? There's no t-shirts or sweatshirts or anything you'd be sort of cutting about in, in, in public. It's <laughs> sort of suggested you'd like... You'd hide that affinity behind closed doors, wouldn't you? I'm just trying to see which... So uh, we've got Dundee United's in there. Uh, Rangers, Celtic. There's no Aberdeen. No. Yeah. Oh, hearts are in there. I've got hearts for the sweatshirts, t-shirts, and polo tops. We've got hearts in there as well. Anything else? No, nope, nothing else. 
I guess you could take one of those red ones and just stick a, an Aberdeen badge on if you wanted, <laughs> if you really wanted. Okay, page 14, going to jump to here. The match are certainly pushing items from their match shop. In this one, the whole page here is for offers of books of various sorts, and it's definitely an increase in the sale of merchandise and magazines. So we've got uh, the Supporters Guide to Football League Clubs, which is full of information for the football fan, 116 pages, laminated cover, and details of 92 Football League clubs, including ground plans, records, parking capacities away stands routes you would have absolutely loved this as a, as a kid for the sort of information that's in it and the thing that tom recently pointed out which sort of is in my head now is the fact that it probably has you know the record victory and the record defeat and as tom, tom quite rightly says why would you have your record defeat in amongst all your your facts let's just forget about that but uh, what else have we got the the World Cup, Football League clubs, so books in there, you know, basically parting with your money. There's a Football League clubs, Leeds United book, a Man United book, Liverpool book, and a Man City book as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they're definitely trying to get their money in from these generic looking things as well. They are. It's incredible the amount of research it must have gone into producing directories like this. I mean, that's quite a comprehensive overview, isn't it? Ground plans, records, parking capacities. I don't know. Were, were they expecting fans, I suppose, to take these with them on away matches as well if they've got, <laughs> yeah. they've got parking instructions? <laughs> See, no, no, mate, you can't come in. No books. No books, sorry. You can't, you can't come yeah, in. That's no right, yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, you're okay with that, that bottle of juice. You're fine with that. But, uh, yeah, no, no literacy allowed. Yeah, you're talking about uh, the research, and we've, we've we've seen recently in some other magazines there was an advert. You remember this, Tom, for the for the somebody who was offering research. So uh, for, I think for, it's in this as well. Is it in this as well? Okay, maybe, yeah. maybe that's where I've, we'll, we'll we'll leave that just now, and then when we come to it, we'll we'll be happily surprised. Uh, page fifteen. So we're just going across the page here, and this is the Emlyn Hughes column. So one of the things Emlyn talks about this week is around the capture of Howard Wilkinson as the new Leeds boss. And Emlyn says, Leeds United have appointed exactly the right man to take them out of the second division. Now, as as we know, this would turn out to be 100% true as Wilkinson took Leeds up at the end of 1989-90. to 90. So, well done. Well done, Emlyn Hughes. You got the one absolutely spot on. I mean, I've, I've distilled it down an entire page worth of him being, you know, <laughs> down to just, yep, he got it right, so. Yeah, there we go. Great one. Good scanning ability. <laughs> uh, I think what, what we'll do is, we'll, I, don't, I don't know if you are aware whether the match magazines that you had, maybe shoot, whether they had what, what was called Focus On. It may have been known as other ones, such as, you know, Match Profile or something like that, but basically they would ask a footballer of the time some standard questions and it'll be a page with a picture of them so what we're going to do at this point is we're going to focus on yourself so i'm going to fire some questions at you don't worry there's nothing there's nothing that can trip <laughs> you up in here so are we okay with that absolutely yeah yeah let's go for it so first one what's your full name uh full name kirsty ruth mcleod okay what's your birthplace uh aberdeen okay what's your first car uh, first car, it's it's my current car actually. So I've been down in London for a couple of years without any need for a car, obviously. So mm -hmm. uh, just moved back a couple of months ago, and I have a oh, you're testing me a silver Polo. Mm -hmm. 
And that's about as much as I know. <laughs> Don't ask me engine size or, or any other details. It works. It gets me from A to B. You know, I'm, I'm glad. To, I'm glad to hear that because I'm exactly the same. I, uh, I had to. I had to put my license plate number into something the other day, and I could. So I had to go to the house on the drive and and just remember that I have no idea about cars, and all I know is I know how to drive them. So that's the main thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Who's your favourite player of all time? Um, favourite player of all time um, Andy Considine at Aberdeen so very very loyal uh, servant of the club uh, very underrated as well but really reliable gets really stuck into all his challenges and often uh, just pops a goal in at the at the right moment as well so yeah mm-hmm. he's a big big Aberdeen man his dad played there as well didn't he before him? that's right yeah, yeah Doug yeah Doug mm-hmm. Considine so yeah definitely a, a family family history there but he came through the youth ranks and I, I couldn't tell you how long he's been at the club but he's um yeah, yeah. he's more than has done his time <laughs> <laughs> good way of putting it good way of putting it so obviously the next question goes without saying but we'll ask it was your favorite team yeah predictably um it's it's Aberdeen yeah what's the most memorable match that you've either watched or been to um I think it would have to be uh so 2008 Aberdeen had uh quite a good run in the uh can't remember if it was called the Europa League by then maybe maybe it wasn't quite but in Europe anyway mm-hmm. um and one that sticks in my mind is the Aberdeen Bayern Munich match at Pataudry always remember the date was Valentine's Day 2008 <laughs> um but yeah, just just a brilliant match. We'd we'd managed to get into that stage, having defeated Copenhagen four 0 I think it was previously. So we were already sort of surpassing all expectations that we, that we had of ourselves. And yeah, to draw Bayern Munich was a sort of symbolically a really important fixture for the club, uh, mm-hmm. given given the history in '83 with the Cup Winners' Cup. Um, but I remember leaving the match almost slightly disappointed we hadn't won it we'd we'd gone one nil up then it was one all two one I think we, going into half time I think we were we were two one up and uh yeah there was a late equalizer towards the end to make it to make it two all um so yeah that definitely sticks in my memory we then got absolutely thrashed at the uh <laughs> the return leg five one but um yeah the home leg certainly sticks in my mind for all those reasons okay what's the biggest thrill of your life oh biggest thrill of my life uh well i don't know if it's biggest ever but uh in personal sporting terms i finally managed to run a half marathon in under two hours last year i did it with a bunch of friends so we'd all put in a bunch of training and yeah to come out with that was very chuffed indeed what was your time at <laughs> uh, 157.58 so I'd, I'd sneaked it and, and no more but yeah Brilliant. good stuff Sub-tune nonetheless excellent uh, what, what's your biggest disappointment? Biggest disappointment. Is it boring to go back to football? No. Nope. Um, coming up from London for the 2017 Scottish Cup final, uh, watching Aberdeen against Celtic. We'd gone 1-0 up really early on. Celtic equalised. And I think it was maybe 92nd minute. We were definitely into extra time at the end of second half. Celtic scored but just before that Aberdeen had missed an absolute sitter and I remember yeah seeing that so Johnny Hayes has crossed the ball over to Kenny McLean and just put it behind him Kenny McLean was was running sort of full steam ahead and neither of them quite timed it right and it was it was just the most sickening gut-wrenching feeling and when the final whistle went it's yeah one of the few times I've, I've cried at a match 
I think I was up, as upset about my, my plane fare and all the expenses that had gone into getting up there as I was at the actual result. But yeah, that was definitely a, a hard one to take. Okay. What's the best country you visited? Italy. Yeah, definitely. Good food, lovely landscape, mm. lovely people. Great answer. One of mine as well. What's your favourite food? Um, favourite food? Um, I think it's... I think it's called chicken balmoral, you know, and there's like chicken stuffed with haggis and then yeah. wrapped in just basically all the meat wrapped in bacon, <laughs> I think, as well. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I've, I've, I've never, never heard of that or tried it. So there's, there's one for me to do. Yeah. A niche, a niche. Miscellaneous likes. So give us two things that you like doing. Two things I like doing. Um, playing hockey. Mm-hmm. So I play for a local club up here and drinking flat whites. I'd happily spend all my, my loose change on, on good coffee, good flat where's white. The, where's the best flat white? In Aberdeen. Oh, well, whatever. Is it, a, is it a, a independent or a, a chain? Um, oh, best flat white. I really should have an opinion on this. I just I just go <laughs> from shop to shop to shop. There's a few really good ones in, in, in town. Cult of Coffee. I don't know if that'll mean anything to, to anyone. That's a, it's, You know, they're all sort of opening up at the moment, so that'll right. be one of the... Exciting things of lockdown, yeah. (laughs) Go get my coffee. Okay, and and on the flip side, give us a couple of things that drive you up the wall. Um, Running out of snacks at work. (laughs) Uh, So I'm a teacher, my day is very regimented, and if I've uh, forgotten to pack my lunch or, like I say, run out of snacks, and there's not really an opportunity in the day to to nip out and and go and grab something. So, uh, yeah, that horrible feeling of your energy depleting and not having <laughs> not having anything to snack on. Yeah, so that and I know maybe another work related one actually, like being stuck in traffic on your way back from work. You know, that moment you're just ready to get home. But Yeah. What's your favourite T V show? Uh Gavin and Stacey. Hands down. Yeah. I've no comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> What's your f- favourite singers? So give us two two singers, your favourite singers. Or band. Singers. Um, okay, a nostalgic one, Neil Diamond. That's a, a big family favourite. So as much as I sort of pushed it away when I was younger, it's, it's yeah. now a pretty nostalgic thing. Uh, yeah, Neil Diamond. And um, really enjoying listening to stuff by the XX at the moment. Okay. Okay, so favourite actors. Again, I'll give you two, two choices. Actors. Um, Emma Thompson. And I'm going to go Matt Day. Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I watched uh, Ford versus Ferrari last night. Actually, uh, I was just thinking that he's terrific. Aye, good one. Yeah, just a bit he's in. Uh, Matt Damon. I think I think he's one of one of those people that you, you don't realise. You, you, you sort of maybe don't recognise or you forget how enjoyable and how good his movies are until you watch them. I mean, I used to feel feel that about Tom Hanks. That mm, I, I, mm-hmm. I used to think. Oh no, Tom Hanks again! But every single time I saw him, I'm like, "This is great! He's brilliant!" And so I think you just get it in your head with some people that, nah, it's, I think maybe I, I mistake him for somebody else or something like that. So, Matt Damon, yep, good shout. A uh, couple left here. Who's your best friend? Best friend. Um, I'm quite lucky to have uh, a few circles of of sort of like different, very close friends. So. Um, like I was saying earlier, I was down south for a couple of years, so I've got a good close bunch of friends there, but also, uh, yeah, a good bunch of friends from school actually up here that I'm very close with. So, yeah, couldn't couldn't possibly pick a <laughs> pick a favourite. <laughs> very diplomatic answer. 
who's, who's, who's been the biggest influence on you? Um, probably my parents, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably my parents. Okay. And lastly, which person in the world would you most like to meet? Um, most like to meet? Um, oh, I don't know. I'd probably give a different answer if I had loads of time to think about it. But <laughs> one that pops into my head is uh, Kirsty Young, you know, who did... Um, yeah, yeah. Des Island Discs on uh, mm-hmm. Radio 4. First of all, I just love her voice. I think yeah. it's like the most relaxing, sort of soothing tone that she's she's got. Um, but yeah, I just think it'd be interesting to chat to her. And she's obviously met some like incredibly interesting people. So rather than biding my time and going around each of them, it might be quite good to pick her brains and get a few stories. Excellent. Okay, so that's the end of the, the Focus On questions. Tom, have you any? Well, I was just going to ask you a bit about your uh, football pink uh, writing, uh, Kirsty. Because uh, obviously you've done a, a great article on Walter Tull recently, and I think I noticed your most recent ones on uh, Rose Riley. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's quite a recent thing um, for me, to be honest, Tom. Um, the writing, I suppose. You know, this is one of the things that I've lockdowns afforded me. It's been pretty challenging right. in in many ways, but it's it's definitely given me a bit more time and space to try a few things and sort of like pursue a few interests and, and bits and bobs like that. Um, you know, I've always loved writing. I've always loved reading, but, um, you know, school and, and at uni, it was always sort of for a purpose. It was to get, you know, get a grade in something or this, that, the other thing. Um, but in my final year at uni, um, my dissert- so I studied history um, and my dissertation um, I did on the origin, origin, sorry, of Celtic um, and sort of looked at, uh the Irish Catholic migrant community that had moved to the east end of Glasgow and, um, you know, tried to, when you read about them, there was this big sort of overarching idea that this group were very self-closed, that they didn't assimilate with the local native population, whatever term you want to use, and that Celtic was basically an expression of that. You know, they were trying to remain at a very much enclosed community. So, um, yeah, anyway, all, all that's to say is I really enjoyed sort of looking at uh you know sources i went into the mitchell library in glasgow right. trawled through some newspapers there um, i was really lucky to go into the museum at hamden scottish football yeah, museum yeah. brilliant brilliant people there and it's great isn't it yeah really yeah. really good um and so i think i sort of got a real bug from that being able to look at stuff and form an opinion on on something myself and so i sort of came away with thinking that um you know celtic was was obviously different things to different individuals and it's and it's founding days you know for some people they were very kind of tied to a catholic identity yeah. other people um you know willie malley was one of their their main players he played for scotland as well as playing for Celtic, despite having been born in ireland so um you know it seemed as if different people really had different identities and you know they could occupy lots of different ones none of them were sort of um exclusive but anyway um so your original question was was asking about the football pink. So yeah, that was basically an interest I've had sort of lied dormant for a number of years. You know, I've been working full time and, and, and teaching, but still trying to kind of keep up with reading and sort of doing a wee bit of research in, in my spare time. Um, which is where Walter Tulls come yeah, about. Yeah. I had a colleague at a colleague at work who'd um done a wee bit of work on him. And yeah, lockdown's essentially given me the, the space and the time to be able to to put some of that into writing so other thing i was going to ask you kirsty is uh, we've asked asked this of a few of our guests if you were a professional footballer what would your ideal career have been what would my ideal career have been um that's a great question 
I think I think I quite like the romance of someone sticking with the same club over uh, over the years, going through the highs and the lows with them, and you know, sort of going out on a some big cup glory. Um, yeah, so maybe maybe a team that was struggling in its early days and went on to <laughs> went on to achieve success. Yes. All right. Thanks. Okay. So so you'd be like the. Andy Considine. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking about as well there. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's maybe yet to sort of enjoy that big moment of success. Yeah. He, he, but yeah. yeah the up maybe it's prophetic. <laughs> we'll see. Fingers crossed. Okay. Shall we dive back in then, Tom? Yes, sir. Let's go for it. Okay. So we're on pages 16 and 17. So we're getting to the nitty gritty here of the, the, Scot the Scottish Skull Cup final. It's coming up. So, match, take a look at the upcoming Scottish. Gold Cup final between Aberdeen and Rangers at Hamden Park. Now the article is split into three separate sections with Gary Stevens, Mark Walters and Charlie Nicholas and Stuart McKimmy all having their say on the final. So we'll take them one by one. The first one is Get Even Stevens and this is Gary Stevens. Gary Stevens goes out gunning for Aberdeen on Sunday in a bid to erase the memory of his first defeat in the Rangers shirt. Rangers lost their unbeaten record in the league at Pataudry two weeks ago. Now Gary says, It wasn't a pleasant experience, particularly as we were 1-0 up. And even after Aberdeen equalised, we looked capable of holding out for a draw. So we have every reason to be extra determined this weekend. The fans have been great to me since I joined Rangers. I'm really happy in Scotland and it'd be great to pick up my first medal. Now his contribution this season has been considerable alongside Richard Goff and Terry Butcher. Stevens has seen a video of last season's 3-3 draw in the final and says, if this week's match is even as half as good, then the fans are in for a treat. Unsurprisingly, he takes Rangers for a win there. So when he said, after Aberdeen equalised, we look capable of holding out for a draw, which sort of, I guess, it shows how Aberdeen were at the time as a team, that you would you would think the, the response would be, well, as soon as Aberdeen, you know, equalised, we, we were still confident we could go on to win it. But the f very fact that he's saying, no, we were, you know, we were, would have been quite happy holding out for it. He didn't say ha happy, but he said capable of holding out for a draw. Which I guess just sort of reflects the, the quality that Aberdeen were at the time. And possibly the Rangers weren't quite at the peak of where they eventually got to during that sort of period as well. So the next article is Mark set for Hamden Heroics. And this is uh, Walters on the Warpath, so this is Mark Walters. And he's earned the title of the most exciting player in Scottish football with his superb skills this season. Mark says, I've been delighted with my form and feel that I am currently playing as well as I ever have done. I'm looking forward to Hamden. It'll be my first experience of a cup final as a Rangers player. And he's netted seven goals this season so far. And he says, I always felt I could do better in front of goal. I consciously set out to get into goal-scoring positions more regularly this season. Both Stevens and Walters mentioned Ian Durant, who was horribly injured in the recent league game, which was spoke about uh, against Aberdeen by a Neil Simpson tackle. The Aberdeen side of the, the article here is, Charlie calls for calm. So the, mes the messages from Pataudry are coming through loud and clear. Stuart McKimmy and Charlie Nicholas both see Aberdeen as clear favourites for the final, but Nicholas adds a cool it play to both sets of players. McKimmy points to Aberdeen's recent record against Rangers. Losing out in penalty kicks in last year's final and beating them four times over the past year or so is reason for his confidence. Charlie Nicholas agrees and he says, we've got quality players in every department and so we're perfectly capable of going anywhere and getting a result. 
Now, Nicholas makes a passionate plea for a malice-free match. A lot of players are expecting a real kicking match, particularly after the recent tough clash at Pataudry. The injury to Ian Durant has upset a lot of people, and we Aberdeen are every bit as, as sad to see such a promising young player season come to a premature end. But it would be a tragedy if Sunday's showpiece was turned into some nasty tit-for-tat affair. Now, as a spoiler, the final, Rangers would take the lead through an Ali McCoy's penalty after a slack throw-in back to the keeper resulted in him being hauled to the floor by Theo Snelders. Now, I watched this again recently. I don't know if you had the chance, Tom or Kirsty. Oh, but no, I watched it recently, but I remember it, Do you remember the, the incident here? So this was a, a throw-in, like, just yeah. n- not far from the 18-yard box, back to the keeper, and this was the time where... It wasn't the pass-back rule, so you could have picked no. it up, but... Just Alan McCoy just hassled him and won the ball from Snelders and then took it around him and Snelders pulled him down. It's like, how on earth? How how on earth can can defenders and goalkeepers back then make a mess given the rules that you know all you had to do was pass it back and they could pick it up and it's like I just in hindsight and I, I look back and I think, How how does that happen? How is that possible? So after that David Dodd David Dodds equalised from a corner before Ian Ferguson volleyed Rangers ahead again. Dodds equalised for a second time with a whooping header before both teams had late chances to win it. As it was, it fell to McCoy's with a couple of minutes to go to score. Aberdeen had a massive chance after to equalise as well, but some heroic defending meant it finished 3-2 to Rangers. So as I say there, the the final, I mean, that that for me, looking back at it, the goals and the you know some of the action from the game was just, the thing that sticks out most in my head was just that little incident there. And it was obviously... Uh, it was the, the first goal in the game. Aberdeen to come back from that again shows shows the quality they were back then. Uh, a couple of goals from David Dodds as well. Brilliant. Any any thoughts on on the the final or anything that happened in there? I hadn't picked up on this looking through the magazine earlier, but I just find that that headline with Charlie Nicholas. Charlie calls for Cam. Absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Like yeah. The whole tone is he's sort of setting himself up as some like. UN peacekeeper, isn't he? You know, yeah. as if he's sort of above all the all the stuff that's going down on the pitch. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think it was a much sort of calmer affair than yeah than it had been in the previous previous weeks. And I don't know why, but um, I'm pretty sure that Neil Simpson went off after like a minute of the match. Did he not? I don't know if either of you. Yeah, I could see. I think I think that may be right. I'm just wondering. Yeah. Whether it was an injury. I assume it was an injury or, yeah. or, or something like that. But um, yeah, mm. if you weren't a believer in karma before, it would certainly <laughs> yeah. make you one there. But, but see, like reading through it there, or reading it out, you maybe don't, when you're reading it in your head, that Nicholas makes a passionate plea for a malice-free <laughs> match. It's not until you actually read it out, you get the rhythm of that and the, the yeah. alliteration that's going on. It's like, listen, they're trying hard here in this this article. You know, they're doing Absolutely, well. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie would, of course, come in for a lot of stick from the, the Rangers fans just by virtue of being Charlie, though. Mm, yeah, it's, it's a, I mean, they've got a picture of Charlie there as well. It's um, he's he's in full flight, arms obviously one one of his um, elbows is right up his sides when he's running. So that's that's <laughs> a sign of experience there. But as we talked about earlier on, JVC again, yeah. the, the button, the the 
the button top as well. Yeah, and another link there. He'd come from Arsenal, hadn't he, to, yeah. to Aberdeen? So, um, yeah, I don't know if the JVC was a was a sort of requirement <laughs> that he was looking for in a in a yeah. club to go on to next. But yeah, can't be many players that have moved from one club to another and had the same yeah, sponsor, sponsor on their yeah. uh, on their shirt. Okay, so we're going to move on to pages 19 to 26. That seems like a lot to to put into one <laughs> bundle there, but. Uh, we'll come back to it. So there's, there is the Aberdeen team photo, but we'll come back to that. And we're going to look at, firstly, the, there's an eight-page A to Z club directory. This, if, on the actual thing, it starts at page five within the, the pullout and goes on to page eight, and then from 21 to 24. So obviously what was meant to happen is you will get eight pages in each magazine. You pull them out, and then you would get the next week's one. You'd insert it in the middle. And so you would build up this this overall booklet that would have 28 pages within it. So I'm just going to look at the, what we've got. So as I say, it goes through the the, 90, the the British clubs and it's doing it alphabetically. So we're starting at B's here, which obviously means that the previous weeks, the A's have already gone. So I'm, I'm afraid no Aberdeen in this one. But we do have B's. We have Bradford, Brentford, Brighton, Bristol City, Bristol Rovers, Burnley and Bury. The C's include the likes of Celtic are in there, Chelsea, Chesterfield, Colchester. And we'll just have a look at the the Celtic one. So so each each team has is it like four four teams on a page, and each team has a a drawing of a a footballer. Yeah, in action. can you see who the drawings are based on? Well, the, certainly the Bristol Rovers one and the Brighton one there looks like Peter Beardsley. Peter Beardsley, uh, yeah. Um, Brentford, maybe Niall Quinn. But I, I, think I think that's Gary Lineker. Right, yeah, yeah, good shout. Um, buddy. Cambridge is definitely Charlie Nick, isn't it? That's Charlie Nicholas. I, th- I think so. <laughs> yeah. I thought maybe Andy Payton. Andy Payton was at Hull at the time and had that kind of hairstyle. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Charlie, Charlie Nicholas, I'm happy yeah. going The Bristol City, um, I wouldn't, I don't know, I don't have a thought on that one. Bristol City. David McCreary was my guess. Yeah. I, I kind of looked him up, his hair was a bit longer. So I can you say for definite? Yeah, that that's the one that I struggle with. Um, but but they use they use this the same, what one two three maybe four, four different. Uh, we'll check on the other ones, but the same four different models or players for the different teams. But they just change the strip, and within each section, so they've got the team name, they've got this photo or photo the, the drawing of a player, and then they have information the sort of stuff that we spoke about earlier on in those books. They've got the address, we've got the team manager, club captain, things like that, the the ticket information, admission prices. So we're going to look at the Celtic one. Um, so this includes the club address and telephone number, which I, I love I love looking back at things like this. It's hmm. 041 556 Just the fact it's 041 instead of 0141, it's, it's just, that's this tickling my nostalgic nerves. Um, team manager, Billy McNeil. Captain Roy Aitken obviously played at Aberdeen. Well, but there's Billy McNeil and Roy Aitken connection there as well with Aberdeen. Supporters Club with an address in London Road along with the telephone number. Admission three pounds standing and four to five pounds seating. Oh, different days. Capacity sixty thousand eight hundred, of which are eight thousand seated. Again, different. Wow, days that's not many, is it? It's no. Eight thousand. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, I mean, at that point, I think there was the only one, there was just the main stand there, wasn't there, Tom, at Celtic Park at the time? Uh, so <laughs> that would have been that. Record attendance, 92,000 versus Rangers back in January 1938. Record victory, 11-0 versus Dundee. 
back in October 1895. Record defeat, 8-0 versus Motherwell in April 1937. We don't hear about that very much. I don't hear... <laughs> if it was a Motherwell fan, we'd be going on... I mean, we go on about Clyde Bank beating Partick Thistle 7-1, which wasn't the record, but... Yeah, I, I, I'm surprised Motherwell fans don't go on about that a little bit more. So, come on, Motherwell fans, let, let me hear it. Let me hear it on Twitter. <laughs> about this. Uh, record fee paid was £725,000 for Frank McAvaney back in September 1987, so the previous season. And the record fee received 850000 for Brian McClare in June of the same year. Uh, the next ones are the R's and the S's. Got Reading, Rochdale, Rotherham, Scarborough, Scunthorpe, Sheffield United on Wednesday, and St Mirren. So oh, let's have a wee look at St Mirren, see what they've got. Address, Love Street, uh, if only. <laughs> uh, 0, 041 number again, manager Tony Fitzpatrick, captain Neil Cooper, different Neil Cooper obviously. Admission £3 and £3.50 uh, for standing, I'm guessing, because they've got £4.50 for seated. Capacity of 25,344, of which 1,444 are seated. Record attendance, 47,438 versus Celtic in 1925. Record victory. I, I, I would argue that you can't count this. Against 15-0 versus Glasgow University. Yeah, it's a bit cheeky really, isn't it? That uh, poor, poor Glasgow Uni student. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough, it's the Scottish Cup, January 1960, but I think there should be sort of limits on these things. Record defeat, 9-0 versus Rangers, December 1987, so that's that's a very recent, in terms of when the magazine was, that's less than 12 months previous. Record fee paid, £150,000 to Clyde Bank for Frank McDougall uh, in July 1979, and the same for Tony Fitzpatrick to Bristol City in July 1981. Now, that that's something going through the magazines and looking at all this stuff that St Mirren were involved in some really good transfer fees back then St Mirren were minted then they sold see this is a, the Frank McDougall transfer from Claybank to St Mirren St Mirren had basically outbid Celtic so uh, St Mirren had sold Frank McGarvey to Liverpool for 300,000 and they'd sold Fitzpatrick to Bristol City I think for about 200,000 uh, so St Myrna were absolutely minted at the time mm. and uh, Celtic had tried to sign McDougall and uh, apparently they'd bidded 80,000 or something and Claybank had told them that you need, you need to up it to over 100,000 and, and Billy McNeil had apparently told Jack Steedman there's no way I can go back to the board at Celtic and ask for that over 100,000 pounds for a boy for Claybank and Steedman said well St Myrna I've got it you'll go to St Myrna <laughs> so, uh, but it's, it's remarkable at that period St Myrna outbid uh, Celtic 10 years earlier they could never have done it and 10 years later yeah. they could ne- they could never have done it it's just an odd wee period of, of time where effectively St Myrne could outbid Celtic mm. it wouldn't have happened really at any other, any other time Outstanding So the, re- the record fee received here was and I, I was always under the impression it was a million for Ian Ferguson to Rangers but it says 850,000 from Rangers for Ian Ferguson in February mm. of 1988 I, I've just serious my, money nonetheless yeah isn't it? yeah absolutely yeah some some I think they're all the 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 players there are all the same ones yep same yeah, ones yeah, again same four yeah drawings yeah yep. uh, well I was going to note from uh, if you look at Scarborough's Scarborough's record victory and their record defeat are both 16 <laughs> 1. Uh, record victory v Leeds Amateurs in 1907, their record defeat v South Bank in 1919. See, that's worse. The record victory versus Leeds Amateurs in the FA Amateur Cup. 
that's not even that's not even a thing. Yeah, really clutching at straws, isn't it? <laughs> well, is it? It's like Clyde Bank. What, what's what's the is it the Stirling Shirt Cup that we that we have in our um, honours? Yeah, go and be what I'm saying about this. We shouldn't be celebrating, but then again, in our honours, we put Scottish Cup semi finalists as well. Yeah, so yeah, I know. That's yeah, uh, fair enough. Other, other wee thing I noticed is South South End's record transfer fee paid is a hundred and eleven thousand one hundred and eleven pounds. <laughs> that must be a misprint. I don't know. It's maybe one of those wee quirky transfers. I I, I don't know what why. There was the one where um, Jimmy Greaves was it. We we discussed this where. Oh, yeah, yeah, he didn't want to be the first. It was a hundred thousand pound player. Or... Yeah, so they sold them for ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine pound. Yeah. You know, you, you get that. I mean, it's 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 a mental thing, isn't it? It's just it's this idea of it. But just going back, actually, since you talked about Scarborough, there, do you see who the manager was? I was Neil Warnock. Neil Warnock's the manager of Scarborough back then. Very interesting that. Back in the game now, isn't he? Ah, yes, yeah, yeah. Middlesbrough. Yep. Did you see him? Um, I don't know if either of you saw a video that we shared of Neil Neil Warnock on his way to training his, the other his bike. Oh. <laughs> Brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Fully kitted out in his uh his tracksuit. Was this where, where the um, the guy drive past him? That's right, yeah. And the bike's, uh, I don't think the bike's quite the right size. The sort of <laughs> knees are up at his ears and he's like hunched over this thing. Yeah. Well, well, it'd be interesting if this is the only period he's at Middlesbrough, because obviously there's no fans. So if he, if he only manages Middlesbrough to the end of the season, it'd be a unique kind of like manager who's managed a club and there was no supporters at any, any games. You know? mm. I've not, just sorry, noticing the, the manager at Shrewsbury there is Ian McNeil. I don't know if you do you know Ian McNeil. He, he used to manage Wigan Athletic as well. He's a, a Scottish manager, so yeah, he he I think he brought them in, possibly brought them into the football league. So he he got them into the football league. I'm pretty sure about that. Very, very interesting. Yep. So let's go back a few pages to this one. So this is the uh, pages 18 to 19 centre page spread, and it's the Aberdeen team photo. <sighs> let's just marvel at that. So JVC sponsor, as we've spoke about. Umbro kit with a round open collar and the pop buttons as well at the top. It's a pinstripe down the arms and shoulder, which is what do you call them a pinstripe or a piping, maybe? Piping, yeah. Piping, yeah. Short sleeves with white cuffs and the top is like a two tone check pattern as well. Yeah. It's, I mean, we looked at the Rangers one, the, the checks and that were a lot smaller. This, these yeah. are, these are much bigger ones as well. And goalkeeper tops, uh, umbro as well, but they they're just yellow, sort of yellowy orange, I'd say, with a the down the arms it's black, but it's pinstripes down as well. So it's it's just interesting. I, I, I do find it interesting when the the style of goalkeeper's top is so different from the outfield ones, uh, because I mean that style of goalkeeper's top could have been an outfield top in its own just with the red colour so I, I find that's interesting but just, just looking at the front and centre so is manager Alex Smith suited with tie and club blazer also good look for me coaching staff are on the middle row and we've got David Wiley the physio Jockey Scott co-manager we've got Drew Jarvey assistant and Teddy Scott, the trainer as well. That's a great, and I, I know for a fact there's, there's there's a great number of people that I um, that I follow and I know on Twitter who are very very particular about team photos, about the symmetry, about getting an organisation. And I think they would be very pleased with this one. There's there's a good deal of organisation and symmetry in this that they'd be happy with. But um, I mean, what a squad! 
Um, sorry, sorry, Andy, you, you cracked up just a wee bit earlier there when you were talking about the goalkeeper's kit. I lost connection for a second. I, I hadn't quite appreciated the the yellow and the the black feature mm-hmm. on it. Um, and I remember maybe I would say four or five years ago, Aberdeen released a really weird third kit, which was yellow and black vertical stripes. Yeah. Um, and it was a nod to uh, the kit that apparently Aberdeen had started playing in a in a black gold. Um, strip in, in its early days back in 1903 so really interesting in the, the you know back in 88 even there was nods to mm-hmm. to that original original design with the with the goalkeepers kit there i called it sort of orangey yellow but you're, you're right it's probably more gold isn't it that that one there it was yeah probably what they had in the the shop at the time i'm sure but <laughs> yeah it's a pretty striking striking design mm. and the other thing i, I find quite stri- striking about this picture is this of course the time that aberdeen had two managers of this really weird setup yeah. where uh what was it jockey scott and, and alex smith were sort of a, a co-manager outfit mm-hmm. um and i think that was the first of its its kind at aberdeen and hasn't quite had it since but um ross county obviously i think they've just moved away from that but they'd sort of turned heads for a wee while hadn't they with um was it kettlewell and oh i forgot the other guys they they were they had two managers sort of working side by side each other um at ross county for a while i think hearts had that as well possibly it was sandy Jarman, they? Yeah. alex mcdonald yeah yeah, I, mean, I just I mean, wonder that's... how logistically that that works out decision making day by day yeah i, I suppose i think in, in that sense sandy Jarman and alex mcdonald obviously played together at rangers and played together at hearts you know so we're probably it's a tight um I, I mean obviously one of the co-manager things it was a disaster i think was at liverpool when Roy Evans was the manager, and then they brought in Hulier to become co-manager with him, mm. and it was you, you kind of knew it was never going to never going to last. And sure enough, Evans left, and Hulier became became the manager. Uh-huh. I think it maybe does work with, with guys like that who've played together and know each other well, and kind of know wh- which one of them, you know which one of them's a shouter, and which one of them's you know maybe there's a guy who's good at man management or whatever you know, and another guy's better at tactics or something that maybe works. But I, I don't know if it works when you've paired. Two guys are paired by the the directors or whatever. Mm. And I think with the Liverpool example, had Evans not been sole manager for yeah. for a number of years before Julia came, yeah. and that's sort of a recipe for for all sorts of political disaster, isn't yeah. it? But yeah, interesting model. Just things I like looking at in team photos and stuff. You look at the front row. I'd say probably 80, 90 percent of them look as though they're, they're married. Yeah, yeah, so as I say, I was just saying, look at the squad. We've got David Robertson in there. We've got Jim Bett, Brian Irvin, David Dodds, Charlie Nicholas, Theo Snelders, John Hewitt, Wally Miller, Neil Simpson, Stuart McKimmy, Alan McLeish. And that's just, you know, picking out. Yeah, Robert Connor's yeah. in there as well. Absolutely brilliant players. Paul Wright in there as well, who, who went and would have went to St. Johnson after this, I'm guessing. There was a player recently, who was it that was saying they enjoyed it? In fact, it was Charlie Nicholas. He uh, says he enjoyed playing up front with Paul Wright, so can't have done too bad there. Charlie, look at the, the, the hair there with Charlie. It's slicked <laughs> back. Yeah. Slicked back at the side. Stevie Gray at the front there, in the the far right, looks as though he's, he's um, not unfamiliar with a sunbed as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's got the Derek McInnes look going on there, isn't it? Yeah, or, or Jimmy Calderwood even, I was thinking. <laughs> that was, uh, he, yeah. he was the most orange of, of them all, I think, yeah. But no, absolutely. Some of the players there are absolutely legendary. And just looking in the back there, you know, you've got the seating there, the wooden seating, 
which Tom and I are familiar with as well at Clyde Bank. So, you know, it was an all-seated wooden seat in stadium as well. Yeah, great, great photograph there. Yeah, I, think you get, I see Snelders there, and I think the only foreigner, only non-Scot in that squad. That's a good shout. I could mm. be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But again, Snelders was one of the better, I think, foreign imports in Scottish football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, and was joined by was it Hans Gillis um, Gillis yeah. mm-hmm. um, the following season for, for um, another Dutch player who, who came and joined Aberdeen. Yeah, guy who won, Europe, won the European Cup with PSV. Right, yeah, okay, and, uh, yeah. uh, remarkable. Aberdeen could go and sign. I think it was nineteen eighty eight. Incredible. Go and sign a European Cup winner. Change days. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's, I find I find it a really interesting picture to to look at because it, it it's sort of a team that's really halfway between two eras in, in yeah, any no, way. You, right, yeah. You've you've got the sort of um, leftover sounds derogatory, but you know you've got you've got Miller and McLeish yeah. and Simpson, obviously, yeah. who are just a wee bit more aged looking than they were a couple of years <laughs> ago under uh, Fergie's sort of glory. And Hewitt, of course, as well, who's still looking. He was quite young anyway, so he's still looking quite fresh. But then you've got this younger generation coming through. Or these sort of like exciting new, uh, yeah, new players, and it's yeah, it's, it's a really interesting snapshot in time, really, isn't it? Yeah, because... yeah. and then you've got you've got guys who were around in the sort of eighties uh, with other clubs like Jim Bett and David Dodds, of course, and Nicholas, yes, who were Nicholas, big players yes. for other clubs. And Robert Connor was at Air United in the Dundee. Uh, so yeah, yeah, no, it's a really interesting snapshot in time that Aberdeen squad for. Uh-huh. And a few moustaches as well. I think we've got <laughs> three or three or four there. That's something that seems to have disappeared. Yeah, well, Willie Miller's one of those guys who had a moustache all through his career, all through all, all through his career, all through his twenties, <laughs> and then now well, he's the age to have a moustache. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he is. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, I mean, the, the ones who do have moustaches are probably ones who famously had moustaches I mean Jockey Scott didn't have a moustache in his early career but he certainly did for most of his career and he's well known and Robert Corner, Robert Corner is the same I'm sure he always had a moustache as well yeah yeah just uh, listen the the second keeper Stephen Beckett there I, I don't know if you saw me but I was straining my eyes there I even had the the the, the torch and my phone on looking at it the the Stephen Stephen Beckett there the the logo doesn't look as though it's umbro and I'm, I'm trying to one, mm, work yes. out. Try to work out. I mean, the, it looks exactly the same um, as Theo Snelder's top. Everything sort of lines up, but that just doesn't. I just don't know. I thought maybe it was a little, just a, a little thing on the the photo. You, you know, some sort of mark of that, but I, I don't think that is. I, I need to get a, a closer look at that. Or is it a wee? Is it a wee umbro to the on white on black to the left, and then? Aha, uh-huh, it does look a different colour to the, the rest of the squad, the Umbro badge, yeah. Yeah. Where Beckett had ended up with the... <laughs> the second... The, the throwaway yeah, the... Uh, jersey, yeah. <laughs> the, the one that's in the bargain bins. Ah, uh... uh, yeah. Mm, brilliant. I'm just saying, um, let's have a wee quick look at boots. All black, yep, 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 all black. Good stuff, good stuff. Different days, different days. And the big white tongue. Oh, at the front there, most of them will get a big white tongue pulled up. Yeah. Okay, listen, I think we've, we've um, ogled this one for long enough. <laughs> so we're going to, let's move on a few pages to another team photo. So this is Bristol City team photo, and they've, it's a straight, they've got a double pinstripe kit. So it's, it's almost as if it's a stripe kit, but it's quite a narrow white stripe, but that white stripe is actually two pinstripes. So it's a, it's a strange one. There's it's nothing to matter with it. It's um, just a strange design. 
Now, I'm going to pick out some of the some of the players from it, which you know may know some of them. Assistant manager there is Jim, Jimmy Lumsden, who played for Clyde Bank. He was also a co- was he a coach at Celtic? Or yeah. Did he, yeah, he was yeah. a coach at Celtic. Uh, the manager is Joe Jordan, so a nice Scottish connection there. The back row is sort of centre is Steve McLaren, in there as well, just second from the right. Front row, second from the left is Ralph Milne. Playing for Dundee United and Barnsley and anyone else you think Manchester of? United. Manchester United, of course he did, yeah. Uh, Scott McGarvey, who's the black and white inset photos. Um, I'm wondering, is it a pony sponsor, do you think? Can you can you make that out? I don't know if the kit's pony. But anyway, Minerva Supreme Balls as well, football, which I quite like. Was an interesting thing, of a 17-man squad, there's only one goalkeeper. Which just seems that once you see once you see that and think about it, you think, all oh, right, aye. You probably don't yeah. notice it until I actually mention it. Quite a confident gesture, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's, there's, there's certainly a, there's a few Scots in there. Joe Jordan, Jimmy Lumsden, Ra- Ralph Milne, and who else did they say? Scott McGarvey, and obviously Steve McLaren in there at the back, who was up for the Dundee United job recently, and obviously turned it down. <laughs> so. Going to page 21, so just across the page there, and we're on hot gossip. So this is just little snippets of information. And the first one we're going to look at is about Graham Souness. And they say, Souness is ready to go south again for a couple of players. Match joke that he's frustrated that he's not been able to spend £1 million for a couple of months. Now, Tony Derigo of Chelsea and Mark Ward of West Ham are top of his list. A move to Scotland could be on the cars, says the magazine. Tony Derigo, nope. Mark Ward, nope. I think I'm right in saying that neither of those came up to Scotland. There's uh, John Robertson. So Newcastle's John Robertson could be on his way back to Hearts in a sensational deal. Robbo hasn't been living up to his reputation since his move to St James's Park and could be on his way back up north in a swap deal with Gary Mackay. So before I give you a wee spoiler there, I'm going to we're going to take a wee look through John Robertson's uh, profile. So full name John Grant Robertson. Uh, he was born in 1964 in Edinburgh. Uh, he started at Hearts between 91, 81, sorry, and 88. 203 league appearances, 106 goals. Absolutely fantastic return, that. He, I'll give you the spoiler here, the Newcastle. So he moved to Newcastle in 1988, played 12 league appearances, didn't score any goals. Moved back up to Hearts, played between 88 and 98, scoring 108 league, league goals in 310 games. Had a short spell on loan at Dundee in 1998 and then finished off at Livingston, scoring 14 goals in 41 games there. He's 16 Scottish caps, scoring three goals. He's also six under-21 caps as well and three Scotland B caps. Managerial career, started at Inverness Cali Thistle 2002-2004. Managed Hearts for a season, then Ross County, Livingston, Derry City for a for a period as well. He's five between 2010 and 2012, and I, th- I think he's still currently back at Inverness Caledonian Thistle as well. Now, interestingly, Hibs tried to sign him as a youngster, but when Robbo asked for time to consider it, they withdrew the offer. And he scored a record 27 goals in the Edinburgh Derby, and he failed to score in the 14 games at Newcastle and returned in December that year. Won the Scottish Cup with Hearts in 19. 19- 98 but he was an unused sub and at the time of 
the information that I found is a 43.5% win rate as a manager, which I think is very good. As we, we saw from that, the swap didn't materialise and Gary Mackay also stayed at Hearts until 1997, so he was there for nearly another 10 years. Back, back to the hot gossip, we're talking about David Seaman here. And it says, the England keeper has asked for a transfer from QPR with match mentioning that he could be on his way to Spurs for £600,000. Obviously, he ended up on the other side, or I don't know how the geography works. And how's the geography work in London? Is that the other side? Is that north? Is it the same uh, side? But yes. Just... Well, it's the other North London club, isn't it? I'm trying to think of a map as exactly what the, <laughs> the bearings would be. Slightly south, but yeah. still in the north right. of, of London, yeah. Mm. So, I mean, David Seaman was, he was interestingly at Leeds United before QPR. So, and it's quite a lot of people either didn't know that or forget that he was there for a period. And right. yeah, I mean, how, how things, you know, it's all the old, um, is it swinging doors? No, swinging sliding doors, isn't it? That could have been at Spurs and probably not won anything during that period. So, I think he made the right move to Arsenal. When um, when, when did the characteristic long ponytail come about? Had he Was he sporting that? By then, no, I don't know. think so. Or is that a later? Short, short speaky hair, I think he had. Mm. Yeah, I think that was during his Arsenal days. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think the the, the ponytails. I, I the I have a vision of him. The ponytail mm. playing for England, and what would that have been? Ninety six, maybe. Did he have a ponytail in the Euros? Ninety yeah, six. So I, th- I think there was probably more more time before the ponytail than there was after it. Page page twenty three. So over a couple of pages here, I mean, there's a whole... Oh, well, hang, hang on a wee second, because we're at Max, uh, Max Superstore. So that's where you'll find the guys um, often to research games. So if missing certain match reports, I can locate those newspaper write-ups of the games that you require. Whether it be Football League, International Cup, Non-League or Pre-War, if it's written about in the papers, I can find it for you. <laughs> and price dependent on depths of research undertaken. Efficient personal service. Does he not give, um, is this one not to say that he gives special rates for runs? Yeah, yeah good rates for runs in a yeah, single yeah, yeah. pop. Okay. <laughs> but see, that that's, you know, it's it's amazing the idea that, because everything's available at the at the touch of a, a an internet search these days. You know, you can pretty much get in anything you want. But back then, the person probably, as you, as you spoke about earlier on, Kirsty, about going to the Mitchell Library, this is probably what this person would do and go through reels. Yeah on the tape and the what do you call it oh like microfilm microfilm yeah yeah. Uh Yeah. so to to think that there was somebody who was probably earning a decent probably not a first wage but you know some decent money from that is absolutely incredible but it sort of comes back to also the the idea that it used to be if you have these pub argument sort of things that you sometimes you would write into ask, ask sam in the paper or things like that and if you're lucky, they would actually go away and answer. But you might not get the answer for about a month or two months later. By that point, you've probably forgotten that you would ask the question. And, and it's like quite quite a way to test friendships, isn't it? it? Can be quickly resolved these days with a, with a Google. But that could be a dispute, like yeah. you say, going on for a hmm. couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Other thing I noticed there in the match superstore was that K soccer, a great football card game. Again, these things before the the, the days of of, of um, it was really good computer games. Mm-hmm. The, the ways that they were coming up for sort of football games. Uh, so that that was a two player game consisting of thirty eight identically backed cards, uh, thirty cards of six football clubs and four penalty, two offside and two goalkeeper cards. 
So the object is to score goals. Players are dealt five cards and then collect three club crests of the same type in his hand. And the hand is built up rummy style from the deck. A goal attempt is made by playing three cards face up on the table. And, and the goal is scored unless the other player has a goalkeeper or offside card available to play. You're going to want somebody who's memorised that and knows, you know, that there's a lot of... There's a lot of what, what, What's going on here? Yeah, but so, listen, you're absolutely right though. It's like probably that would have passed a good few nights of entertainment, you yeah. know. But again, like we went, we said before, it's a way to sort of get you know football crests and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, as well. You know, it's like club 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 card crests, you know, yeah. club crests. Yeah, no doubt. If if we know them the way that we know these sort of things, there would have been some mistakes and errors in there that people. <laughs> The people like grew up thinking that was that was actually it, it. and until yeah. you become an adult and get laughed at for these things. I mean, not that this has happened to me at all. I mean, I'm I'm not bitter about that. <laughs> like but no, it's a, it's a good good pointing that one out. Anything else from these ones? It's just the amount of adverts for for programs, either folk looking for for the copies or people willing to to supply them. Seems to be quite a big a big market for it and it's interesting isn't it because I, I don't really know what sales on programs would be like nowadays but mm. I'd imagine they'd be well down from from what they would have been at would have been at this time yeah I know I certainly probably need to support program sellers a lot more than I, I currently do but I think I would only buy one nowadays if it was a sort of special match or some sort of occasion that I was really mm. wanting to to mark yeah. I, lo- I love that one at the top the the second one and you know it's sort of as a judgmental heading are you a serious program collector? Or are you just here? <laughs> are you just here to waste my time? Yeah. What is it? So I'm, I'm sure that's not what you means, but that's how I'm reading it. That's right. Peter C. Riches is uh, yeah, wasting yeah. no time, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so soccer shortlist on the other page. So it said Marvel and Cringe at this week's fascinating collection of soccer shortlists. And this one is 10 players rejected by Graham Soonis at Rangers and currently playing in the Football League. I mean, it's a, to be honest, if, if you stand back from it, it's a bit, I wouldn't say nasty, but it's a it's a bit sort of, you know, these players have all been rejected. But I'm going well, to go... I, I think some of the players had, had fallen out with Graham soon. <laughs> uh, yeah. So much as rejected. Yeah. I think certainly Graham Roberts mm. um, fell foul as soon as. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's 10 of them here. We'll go through the names and I think possibly, and, and I know some of them, you know, are very well thought of at the clubs that they went to and things like that. But I think possibly one of them, two of them, maybe have went on to do something better than than either they were at Rangers or they'd done before. So uh, I'll go through the names, maybe see what you think, and then I'll tell you what I think on that as well. So the first one, Ali Dawson, has went to Blackburn. Mark Falcao, who went to QPR. Robert Fleck, who went to Norwich. Trevor Francis to QPR. John McDonald to Barnsley. Ted McMinn to Derby County. Jimmy Phillips to Oxford, Graham Roberts to Chelsea, Colin West to Sheffield Wednesday, and Neil Woods to Ipswich. So if you pick two from those who you think have went on to do better, who would you pick? Well, I, I would probably go for Robert Fleck then and, and uh, Ted McMinn. Right, okay. I'd, I'd go with one of those. But I would... Um, I'd potentially... Robert Fleck, yep. And, but I'd potentially Graham Roberts as well. And I know he probably... At Spurs, he was probably fonder... Um, thought of and things like that, but I, I don't think his career went down at no. Chelsea. But Ted McMinn would that was was he in Spain before Rangers? It was, wasn't he? It was. A, no, I don't. I don't think so. Was he? No, because it was Jot Wallace that signed him. It was Jot Wallace that took him to Seville. Mm. 
So I'm, I'm just because I'm. I, I think he ended his career at Derby County, but I don't I know if he maybe well, maybe. But I, I know he's an absolute cult cult hero at Derby County. Yeah. I think the fans the fans absolutely love him there. Yeah, I mean same with John McDonald at Barnsley. Big they're, they're big fans of John McDonald as well. Jimmy Phillips, I don't really. Jimmy Phillips and Neil Woods are two names that aren't too familiar with, but the rest of them, I'm well aware of them. I mean, Trevor, Trevor Francis obviously was at the tail end of his career. I mean, what what a fantastic player he was. So I think we've we're, we're agreed on Robert Fleck. Any of these names familiar to you, Kirsty? Not at all, no. Um, so no, don't know if that says something about the power of Sunis, but no. Mm. Well, Tre- Tre- Trevor Francis does a lot of um, co-coms and things like that nowadays, um, and he has for years. I think it was Al- it was Ali Beg that was was talking about him. How yeah, he's yeah, just- oh, right, yeah. Okay, yeah, uh huh. I know. I'd, I'd heard that in your in your podcast. Yeah, Trevor Francis. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you're right, Andy. I tell you, was went from Rangers to Sevilla, and then Sevilla to Derby, right. to Derby County. Okay. Excellent. Okay, so we're on to page twenty-four. Well, no, sorry, oh, I was, I was, oh, oh. There's one thing I wanted to say from that we list about right. um, England players that played for foreign clubs. Okay. So that's it's um, ten Englishmen who have been capped while playing for continental clubs. So it's uh, Laurie Cunningham, Real Madrid, Mark Hatley, AC Milan, Glenn Hoddle at Monaco, Trevor Francis at Sampdoria, Jerry Hitchens at Inter Milan, Kevin Keegan at Hamburg. Gary Lineker at Barcelona, Dave Watson at Werder Bremen, Ray Wilkins at AC Milan and Tony Woodcock at Cologne. But uh, interesting wee thing is uh, Dave Watson, while he was at Werder Bremen, he actually played more games for England than he did for his club. <laughs> uh, he was signed in the June of 1979, but uh, and he played for uh, three pieces and friendlies for England uh, at the time. Played two games for Werder Bremen and was sent off in his second in, uh, in August and got an eight-week ban. Uh, played again for England in September against Denmark and then signed for Southampton in October. So in his whole time at Werder Bremen, he played two games for Werder Bremen and four games for England. An eight, eight-week ban is... There must have been some something else, that one. I mean, we, we spoke about Paul Davis earlier on getting a three-match three ban, was it? A four-match ban for, for punching yeah. somebody? So... Sorry, sorry, Andy. Just one more thing on that. Um, probably worth mentioning that Laurie Cunningham. <laughs> now you've been redirected back on. That's fine. Uh, Laurie Cunningham, first uh, English player, I think, to ever go to Real Madrid, um, and also one of the the only black players in in the league at, at the time. Um, I think he started out at Leighton Orient. I'm yeah. not sure where he went after that, but yeah, West Brom. Um, West Brom. Okay. West yeah. 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 I think I think we've we've chatted about Laurie a couple of times in some of the podcasts as well. I think, but um, yeah, sadly died very young, didn't he? In his early thirties, mm. was it? Yeah. Okay, right. Can, I'm going to move on to mixed mailbags. That okay? <laughs> we will have it. <laughs> Please right. do. I've, I've, I've nothing. I've nothing to discuss in mixed mailbag. Let's move on. No, I'm joking. <laughs> badly, badly. Mixed mailbag. So th- these are letters that are sent in uh, to. Match magazine. So I'm I'm actually I'm gonna just pick one of them out here. So this is Golden Goof and it's Ian Craven from Middlesbrough and he writes Trust the news of the world to get it wrong again. And it says there's a there's a photograph of Bernie Slavin and he's been congratulated by his teammates after scoring against Coventry for Middlesbrough. The news of the world says it's Davy Smith, Gary Hamilton and Paul Kerr that are paying their appreciations. However, Ian points out that it's Stuart Ripley Gary Hamilton and Mark Brennan in the photo. 
and David Smith actually plays for Coventry City. So they've not got very much right with that one. I think they've got one person right, and actually one of the players they said was in it doesn't even play for Middlesbrough. So, <laughs> as he says, trust the news of the world to get it wrong again. Yeah. Any? Do you want to pick any of the other letters from this one? Yeah, well, Match didn't sort of escape blameless either, did they? Did you see that that red box on the right-hand side of the page? Some days writing in to complain that they've got their facts wrong. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. What was that you told us that Eddie Bishop scored Rovers winning goal against Peterborough when in fact it was after 45 minutes and then you claim that Prenton Park has a I mean really big details here Prenton Park has a capacity of 9,500 when after extensive summer work the ground now holds at least 15,000 so this oh. guy Christopher Taylor's obviously uh had a bit of time on his hands to go or, or do his he's, own research. He's, he's hired somebody to go and get the research yes, for him, possibly. He's hired that, uh, <laughs> the guy from the advert previous. <laughs> yeah. You can imagine nowadays that that, that would be a, a Twitter rant, wouldn't it? That going on yeah. there. Like, I can't There'd probably be hundreds of people, if not more, doing the exact same thing. There's a wee letter there as well so from, a, from a guy saying he's glad to see the back of Billy Bremner at Leeds United. <laughs> and, uh, I just hope Bremner's replacement does the business. Yeah. So we're on pages, looking at pages 25 to 27, and these are match facts. So these, this is the the results of games throughout the, the previous week or two, and I'm just going to pick some out. So Sunday, the 9th of October, and an English Division 2, we've got Swindon Town 1, Chelsea 1. So I've picked this out because there'll be a couple of names you may be familiar with here. And the goal from Duncan Shearer for Swindon. Other players include Colin Calderwood for Swindon and Peter Nicholas with Chelsea. And Billy Dodds is on the bench. So there's at least three Aberdeen... And Colin Calder would never play for Aberdeen, did he? So there's at least three Aberdeen connections there in Duncan Shearer, Peter Nicholas and Billy Dodds. And what else? Tuesday the 11th of October, we have the Scottish Premier Division. We've got Hamilton nil, Hearts 4. Two goals for Ian Ferguson and one each for Kenny Black and Joel Calhoun. Chick Charlie's in the Hamilton team there as well. And the match comment for the game says, Hearts get back on the rails. Uh, Wednesday the 12th October Celtic 1 Dundee United 0 a Joe Miller winner in front of 36,870 and interestingly Alan Ruff is in goal for Celtic at this point Dundee 1 Motherwell 1 Keith Wright with a last minute equaliser after Tom Boyd had put Motherwell in front Hibs 0 Rangers 1 McCoy's with the winner Gorham's the top man for Hibs and Ray Wilkins the top man for Rangers both of those would actually play for the other team later on wouldn't they? Neil Cooper is in the Rangers team and came on as a sub for Walters and St Mirren won, Aberdeen won, so Martin with a last minute equaliser for the Saints after Dodds had put the Dons ahead in four minutes so I'm very interesting, I, I love I love looking at I've, I've said this before as well that you know you can look at these this information that's there, the, the result, the attendance, the, the, the teams, the goal scorers and you can sort of build a picture in your head of what happened without actually seeing the games. I mean, quite often you're probably going to be far off the mark, but I just quite like the idea of using your imagination to to try and think of what these games might have been like. Mm. Pages 28 and 29, and we're moving on to the world of soccer. Now, we've got the heading here is All Diego's Handwork. So, yeah, you can't can't have a story in a, a magazine in the UK without with Diego Maradona without mentioning a hand. So this story is Maradona grabbed the headlines on the opening day of the Italian season. With seconds to go and drawing 0-0 with Atalanta, 
he fisted the ball towards goal and teammate Simone Giacchetti forced it home for a win. Maradona insisted, I tried to go for the ball with my head, but I'm not sure if it came off my body or my arm. Later reports suggest he admitted it and claimed his actions were justified had they been denied a penalty earlier in the game. Ah, Diego, eh? <laughs> what are you going to do with him? So, yeah, he's, 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 he's punched it to a, to a player who scored. He then says, well, I don't know if it hit my hand or if it hit my, my body, and then he's admitted it. So, yeah. I'm I'm sure that um, the Atalanta got over it, unlike somebody else we could think of. Yeah. It's fair enough from Diego in some ways, isn't it? Because, you know, it's just classic human behaviour that if you're allowed to do thing once, then you'll, uh, you'll learn it's okay to do it again. So yeah, he's, I, just, he's just doing what the rest of us would have done, done in many ways. Whenever I think of the hand of God, I always remember... Um, and my dad took my brother and I uh, down to Hamden when Scotland were having that really good run uh, around like 07, 08. We used to go down for all the games. I remember there was a guy in front of me wearing an Argentine shirt and he had, was it 86 mm-hmm. the year? Yeah, hand yeah. of God happened. Yeah. Yeah, so he had 86 on the back and then Hand of God where the surname would have been on the uh, on the back of the shirt. <laughs> and I remember saying to my dad, what, what's that about? So, you know, let me tell you. So that was my... <laughs> That was my education. We, we are a petty nation, aren't we? We're, we really... Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm, we're not going to change it. We're not going to change it. Listen, we've got to page 31 here. This is Regis on a bomb run. So that there's uh, about Cyril Regis. So match spotlight Coventry City and their bid to end a Liverpool hoodoo that puts all others in the shade. And match show a table of the league record of every current first division team at Anfield since 1976-77. Coventry are at the foot of the table, having played 12 times and not taken a single point, only scoring three goals while conceding 39. Yeah, not a great record, that. In the Cyril Regis article, match starts with, and sign of the times maybe, but they say, Black Bomber, Cyril Regis aims to break his Anfield duck when he takes to Liverpool's famous turf on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, just, it's... There is a cringe factor to reading, you know, articles from back then that, that sort of refer to things like this. So the the article continues, Liverpool is always a difficult place to go because they have such a good side. Take Alan Hansen. He's superb and is an extremely difficult opponent. He's always cool, calm and collected and a, a key reason for Liverpool's success. But he's out now. I'm sure it will affect Kenny Douglas's side. And with Gary Gillespie out, they will be severely weakened and hopefully that will give us a good chance of success. And if I can get on the score sheet, then that will be an added bonus. So a spoiler of the game, the Coventry drew 0-0 with Liverpool. So this was the first point result. And they actually finished 7th in the league that season. Liverpool finished 2nd behind Arsenal. Arsenal, as we know, won the last game of the season when they faced Liverpool with a late goal from Michael Thomas, won the league on goal difference. Brilliant. So well, well done to Coventry for eventually getting their first point after, you know, over 10 years at Anfield. Page 32, the Steve McMahon column. There's crisis at Anfield, he says. He says, four key players, plus myself, are out on the sidelines injured. He rubbishes paper reports that Liverpool are struggling with unrest in the club. Alan Hansen, Bruce Grobler, Nigel Spackman and Gary Gillespie are the players that are out. Gillespie looks to be a long-term injury, while McMahon himself has just started with light training after having the plaster removed from his leg only a couple of weeks ago. 
Moving on to page 34, so ma more match facts, so it's been split up over a couple of sections. So I'm going to pick out, we've got Scottish First Division, Scottish Second Division, the results here and then the tables, but we'll just look at the, some results. Airdrie 1, Clyde 1, Air United, I, I feel like one of these, Air United 2, Dunfermline Athletic <laughs> 1, um, but I won't do it in that, in that style. So, it has to be said with a certain intonation. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. You, you always know what's coming up. Oh, as soon as he says the first one, you think, "Oh no, we've been beaten." You know, That's so, right. Yeah. Yeah. Four far nil. Morton won. A goal from Ian Clinging, which is an absolutely brilliant name. Um. So on Forfar, was there not a story that people down south used to think the full name of Forfar was Forfar nil because that was so often the uh, yeah the score that the team came. Well, I've heard that. With, I think it was Billy Connolly in the. An audience with Billy Connolly, was it? That he said um, it was Partick Thistle. He said, "Yeah, people think it's called Partick Thistle now." So I've not heard it for four far, but I guess maybe well, that's an East, it's an East Coast thing, joke, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Meadowbank nil, Kilmarnock two goals from Montgomery and Cook. Partick Thistle one, Falkirk three. Another defeat for Partick Thistle. Wraith Rovers one, Clydebank three. Wow. McStay for Rovers, Eddie and an own coil double for Clydebank. St Johnson 3, Queen of the South 1. And in the Scottish Second Division, Albion Rovers beat Broth 3 1. I should maybe point out, Andy, we've got a party Thistle fan as a loyal listener. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Sorry. I don't know if you're, you're driving, Sorry, Diane. You're driving yeah. our listeners away. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Diane. Sorry about that. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a shout out at the end of the show, as I normally do. And so it shows the tables. The, the Premier after 10 games, and two points for a win at this point. Rangers are on 17. Aberdeen are on 14, Dundee United 13, Hibs on 12 and Celtic on 10. In the first division, Falkirk, Dunfermline and Morton are all on 14 points with Airdrie and Air United on 12 and Clydebank on 11. Second division, Abroath 14, Stirling Albion 13, Albion Rovers 13 and Queen's Park on 12. So there we go. Let's look at page 35. So this is next week. So it's a bit over the page. So we've got we've got to the end of the magazine here almost. We've got in the football magazine with bright new ideas. Next week we have Blackburn Blackburn Rovers in colour. We've got the Skull Cup final action. First colour pictures from Aberdeen versus Rangers, and a spotlight on Everton versus Man United TV special. There's also an advert underneath for a Liverpool official yearbook from eighty eight to eighty nine, and it's two pound ninety nine plus fifty pence postage and packing. And you get a free gift with each book and they'll send a large full colour poster showing one of the great teams from the 80, 80s. I mean, I, I quite like the idea of that. And the fact that it, I quite like the idea that they say, well, show one of the great teams as if you don't know which one you're going to get. And I genuinely think that's quite pretty good unless you've already got it. But them, them's the, the luck, isn't it? The luck in the breaks. So the back page. You know, there's, 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 sometimes we don't even get this far, so we're, we've done well with this. And it's an advert for New Balance. So there's a, a drawing stroke painting of a, a young kid with New Balance boots around his neck. And he's looking upwards in a dreamlike state. And now interesting, what I love about this is the way the boots look tied together around the laces. And this is mm. something that I used to do. It used to be that you wouldn't you wouldn't have a bag of that. You just have your boots and you know maybe for me goalie gloves or that, and you would tie the laces together and just hang them round your neck, and just go to football. And I'd forgotten about that until I saw this advert that that's what you used to do. And then it sort of reminded me what else they, they used to do. And I remember going to the swimming baths. See this this is the tangents we're talking about. I remember going to the swimming baths and you'd have your 
your um, swimming trunks and a, a towel and what you would do religiously is you would put the swimming trunks in the towel and then wrap it into a tight thing and then under your arm you know and it's just it, it's straight I, I love I love how things from the magazines and the old cards and stickers just invoke memories like that mm. you know just things that I'm yeah. sort of oh I forgot I used to do that what stood out in that, John, for me is is he's uh, wearing a snake, snake belt. belt. <laughs> I just saw that. Yeah, yeah, it's just brilliant. So I think we we all of a certain age had a, had a snake belt. So it was like an elasticated belt with the two wee metal buckles that formed into a, formed into an S. And they're doing a wee bit of research online. They've actually there's a sort of fancy um, co- company remaking these for for adults. <laughs> for, for, for that bit of nostalgia when you were a kid, but that was the thing because everyone like of a like when you were at primary school had a, a snake belt. This is an elasticated thing with a bit of metal at the end of it. Is a snake belt something that you've ever heard of, Kirsty? Is that something? No, no, can't can't say can't say it is. So no. Yeah, brilliant, I love them. So in, in the advert in the background, we've got Brian Robson in the background there, and it's uh, the advert itself is, says it's New Balance Canary Cup between March twenty third to twenty seventh of nineteen eighty seven, and it's a soccer tournament for boys and girls, and you ring for details. Now this was an international youth competition held in Norwich each summer, and I think that's probably why it's called the Canary Cup. I have actually seen on like there's a pennant from the 1990 tournament exists and described as the seventh New Balance Centenary Cup, so it would have went back to 83 from that. So it's it seemed to be something that was ongoing, although I'd never heard of it and I had to research it, so it wasn't something I was aware of. What about yourself, Tom? Is it something you? you no, I don't. I certainly don't recall. Certainly don't recall that Canary Cup. Yeah. So. Really, sorry, I was going to say it's really interesting seeing those boots uh, and the New Balance sponsor because I so New Balance are obviously I think it's a Liverpool kit they they've got at the moment the sponsor mm-hmm. and I'd always assume that was sort of a new venture for the brand I'd never seen New Balance involved in in football at all but um yeah I guess not only have they got boots here they're also sponsoring a mm-hmm. a cup yeah well I, I remember it was it was Brian Robson that kind of introduced them to the kind of football right. market. Okay. Uh, I guess it was probably an athletics kind of kind of thing before that, mm. but yeah, I mean Brian Robson was was the main guy who wore those who wore those boots. Mm. Yeah, there, there are quite a lot of adverts throughout the different magazines in different periods um, for New Balance, and I think it's one of these things that you probably didn't recognise it or realise it until you look back now. Because I mean, Celtic are New Balance as well. I don't know if they're, well, they're not course. now. Yeah. Celtic wear uh-huh. New Balance, uh-huh. and because of the, we're aware of them again now and looking back it's like oh there's new balance there's new balance where yeah. i'd never really noticed them before and all those things until so yeah absolutely brilliant and those trainers are sort of making a bit of a comeback just the end on the yeah on the there that's a very sort of popular um like casual trainer now isn't it so yeah. the brands live yeah, so i was gonna say again that they're sort of it, it looks kind of like it could be a modern sort of advert you know that the the nb Looks quite stylish, and I think Absolutely, that's kind of yeah. the same that they use just now. And again, like the boots that Robson's got on in that picture, again, you could see them. You could see them now. They don't look dated at all. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Plus, the, the England strip there, another one with the pop buttons. Yeah, that was a <laughs> definitely. And again, looks like a stylish a strip. If they come out with that just now, you wouldn't think twice about it. Mm. Plus, obviously, the snake belt is coming back. Uh, well, like I say, you can get snake belts now. I think they're ten ninety nine. They're oh, a bit I'm more expensive you, I'm, than I'm, they were at the time. But I'm straight online after this. I'm telling you that I want my snake <laughs> belt. 
<laughs> they do extra large. I'm more than elasticated. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. Uh, okay. Ideal for lockdown. <laughs> Okay, so listen, we've got to the end of the magazine, which is absolutely great. So, but before we we start fin- um, finishing up, I'm going to just we 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 team up with a each season we team up with a charity partner on here to try and get a bit of exposure and hopefully a bit of fundraising and things. So our, our charity partner this season is the West Dumbartonshire Community Food Share. Now this is a charitable organisation that provides various services and support to the local community including the following. They do school uniform bank, uh, school holidays brunch bags, food provisions, Christmas toy bank, cooking and growing lessons, and a baby bank. They provide essential support to the local community and supporting individuals and families, and we will be looking to support them in any way we can through the podcast. This will include drives for donations of food, money, support, in the form of volunteers, but we'll also be raising awareness of the group to highlight the work that they do but also to ensure that families and individuals who can benefit from the group are aware of these vital services. We will hear a lot more about the Western Bartonshire Community Food Share in our future podcasts, and we will get Claire Coyle invited on from the Food Share group onto the show to discuss the work that they do and how we can support them. You can follow them on Western Bartonshire Community Food Share group on Facebook or westernbartonshirecommunityfoodshare.co.uk for the website. Now that's Dunbartonshire with an N rather than an M for Dunbartonshire, so just make sure that you get that one right. But also keep an eye on our Twitter accounts, shoot TB underscore podcast and Scott's footy cards for updates and news about a charity partner. So that's obviously, especially given the the where we are at the moment with COVID, it's definitely the food banks and the support that they can give is needed now more than ever. So we, we definitely we, we try and promote these. One of the things we do with the the podcast is that for each for each show we have an associated web page with it as well, and that web page will have a link to the podcast, but it'll also have photos from the magazine that we've been discussing. So it will have all the stuff in there. It will have links to to videos, other photos and things like that, information we'll get. If there's anything you want to promote as well or have awareness about, then we will get links to that. The purpose of that web page is basically so that, as we've done, as people are listening to us, they can go through the magazine with us and see what we're talking about. So that's just another feature of that. But what we do is we also have a link. We have a, a, a donate button on it and... What we try and do is have a goodie bag from from the show that will include the the original magazine, and it'll include anything else that we can throw in as well. Maybe some old stickers or books, magazines, things like that. So I do ask if if there's anything that you can throw in for a goodie bag, that would be absolutely appreciated. So what we do is we ask people, say for every pound that you donate, it basically gets you a virtual raffle ticket. The end of the season, we will draw that, and whoever wins it gets that goodie bag. And we will we'll give a fifty percent to the charity partner and fifty percent to the podcast. In fact, Tom, I'm going to make a decision right now. We'll just give a hundred percent to the the charity partner. Yeah, why not? Yeah. yeah. So, so there we go. Breaking news. <laughs> we're going to we're going to give everything to the to the charity partner. Uh, so, we'd like to say a special thanks to Pete Wiley of the Mighty Wa for the use of the story of the blues for the music of the show. So, intro and outro are from that that terrific song one of the best songs of all time in my opinion you can catch up with Pete on petewiley.co.uk 
and check out what's happening with him in terms of his new music and upcoming gigs when they start happening again. And lastly, I'd like to thank a producer, Diane Jarden, and obviously, as Tom has pointed out, I'd like to apologise for constantly... <laughs> Constantly demeaning Partick Thistle, the, the great Partick Thistle, the, the mighty Partick Thistle. And so, Diane, thank you for all the, the hard work supporting the show. And you can check Diane out at transmissionroom.co.uk. That's one word, transmissionroom.co.uk, where you can book recording and rehearsal facilities in Clyde Bank. And I think that's that she started um, having the the facility open again so if you do need anything like that then and you're in the area or in the glasgow area and you need something then i would absolutely recommend transmissionroom.co.uk so on that what, what's happening with yourself at the moment Kirsty? what's what's keeping you busy the football pink other things yeah i mean not, not very much so this is the first week of the school holidays actually so um mm -hmm. yeah we're in a bit of a, a break um so yeah looking forward to sort of getting stuck into a bit more writing over the next wee while. Okay, great stuff. As I said as well, I'll, I'll, I'll be in touch before we, we release the podcast and I'll get some links off you if you want to share anything at all. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, be and, delighted and to do that. Yeah. Have you thought of pitching something in Nutmeg, Kirsty? Um, I would absolutely love to do that, yeah. Um, yeah, you, you should. Um, I'll send you Ali's uh, email. It's probably in, in the magazine, but um, I'll send his email and just say that I suggested. Oh, that would uh, be brilliant. If you want Thank to pitch you. him. Yeah. I know for the, the next issue, the deadline's like the twenty second of this of this month. Mm -hmm. That's to get stuff in. Okay. So I'll, I, after this, I'll, I'll send you his email and let's see. Well, that would be brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I, you, you, you do get you do get paid. You do get paid for it. Okay. Oh, as well. Good. So, but I mean, yeah. it's it's still a cracking new magazine. All right. Well, I, I read your um your article in the right. most recent. I really really enjoyed that, and um, yeah, brilliant publication. So that'd be fantastic to. To get a link to that for sure yeah we hope you've enjoyed going through the magazine with us here uh, it's, it's been great having you on so i'd like to thank you for for joining us kirsty it's been absolutely a pleasure to meet you and great going through uh, that with you and likewise thank you so much for uh, the two of you for for having me on it's been uh yeah really good fun going through going through the articles i think it's a brilliant format for a podcast i think mm. it's it's absolute genius so aye, thanks again for for having me on really yeah, thanks it. for coming on Kirsty. No, th thank you very much. I do appreciate that. And as always, I'd like to thank Tom for being Tom. Thank you, Andy. And for all the listeners out there, I always assume there are listeners out there, so why break the habit of a lifetime? Thank you for listening. And as always, join in with us on our website, on our Twitter page. Give us some feedback. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. And basically, just keep enjoying it. Share it amongst your friends. Until the next time, let's shoot the breeze.